God of grace and mercy, God who made us us. Thank you for making us who we are. We also know that there are challenges in the world, and we ask you, O oh God, to meet them with us, to be with us in our words, our mouths, our actions, and our all today and every day. And if we can't find you, to remind us that you are in the sheer silence waiting for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I have some questions for the kids, but others are allowed to answer. Okay. Uh, have you ever been or do you know anybody who has gotten sick? Okay. So what are some of the ways that people get sick? What are some of the things that can happen? <laughs> if they smoke. That is <laughs> okay. Somebody went to dare this week. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So uh, you, can, you can get a cough or a cold. Yeah, that's one thing. If you don't wash your hands, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was, I, people got so much logic. Okay, so what are some of the sicknesses that we can get? What are some of the sicknesses we get? Yeah, yeah. We can get a cold. We can hurt our leg, right? Anybody ever sprained their ankle or scratched their arm? Okay, when you get sick or injured, what are some of the things that you want somebody to do for you when you feel bad? What are some of the things you want from like your mommy maybe? Go to the doctor. That's a really good idea, right? First we need to figure out what's going on. What, what kind of sickness do I have? Band-aids? Excellent. Put on a bandage? Yeah. Color? Cuddles. Oh, cuddles are the best. Yes. Yeah. You need cuddles when you get sick. Right? You need, your, you need your community, your family, and the people who love you. My mom, uh, to this day, I am an adult. I have children of my own. If she hears that I am getting sick, she brings over soup. I can't stop her, right? Um, people take care of us when we get sick. Today and all month, we're going to be talking about some special kinds of sickness that people can get when you get sick not in your body, although a little bit in your body, but sometimes when you get sick in your mind. So sometimes people get a sickness where they start to forget things. That's a sickness that my grandpa got one time. And he would start to forget things. And so we brought him soup and we gave him cuddles. But we also had to learn to just kind of follow him, whatever he was thinking about. We wouldn't get mad that he forgot stuff. We'd say hello and we'd try and help him uh, be wherever he was. Sometimes people get a sickness where they feel sad or they feel mad more often than they usually would. And it's just as helpful to go to the doctor then as if you cut your knee. So that's part of what we're talking about this month is those kinds of sicknesses, those kinds of illnesses where our minds or our souls or our hearts hurt and not just our bodies. Because it can happen to anybody. It has happened to me. Um, and I think, I'm pretty sure, that it's what happened to Elijah in this scripture story. Um, God can tell that something different is happening to Elijah in this scripture story, that it's not just the same old like prophet being annoyed with being a prophet that God has seen over and over and over again. Um, almost every prophet gets mad at God and tries to get out of their job, right? Um, but something different is happening when Elijah says that he just can't do it anymore. 
There are three big stories in the Bible, um, and a few more, but three big ones that we think of, of prophets saying to God, I want to die. I can't do this anymore. Moses said that when all of the Israelites were complaining to him um, about how there wasn't enough food and there wasn't enough drink. And Moses said it to God as kind of a challenge. He was basically like, God, if you're not going to give me the stuff to make my people happy, might as well just let me go. Moses is challenging God and trying to say to God, we need more. And God responds by giving food and water and by collecting the people and making a leadership structure. Jonah also says this, uh, but for the opposite reason as Elijah. Jonah uh, has just watched God forgive all of the Ninevites, the people who he was called to tell about their terrible, terrible sins. Um, And he watches God forgive them, and he gets so mad at God, he runs away and says, well, if you're not going to be as angry at the people as you told me to prophesy to as I am, what's the point? What's the point of me, and what's the point of you? And he goes and throws a tantrum. And God responds to that uh, a different way than he responded to Moses. With Moses, he gave what was asked for. With Jonah, he... uh, pokes him back a little bit, right? He's like, oh yeah, Jonah, you think that life is worth that little? And he makes him see a plant live and then die and then says, if it makes you sad to see that plant go, how much sadder would I be to see all the Ninevites lost? You need to learn something about the place of anger in our community. What Jonah needs is a lesson. What Moses needs is a real material change to his situation, right? He needs more food. Neither of those things are what Elijah needs. Elijah isn't in a fit of peak. Elijah isn't having a trouble of character. Something is happening to Elijah that Elijah can't control. And I think we see God see it, that Elijah can't stop sleeping, that Elijah can't take care of himself, right? He, he can't remember to eat or to drink. It takes an angel reminding him. There's something happening to Elijah that makes God not poke or prod him, or fix his problem even, the way he did with Moses. Something different is happening with Elijah, and so God knows that the response must be different too. I hesitate to diagnose anyone from afar. (laughs) It's not my job, it's not my place, it's something that's almost impossible for anyone to do, but I do think there's an argument to be made that what Elijah has is some version of depression right? That that what's happening to Elijah is what has happened to so many of us for thousands of years, that we have um, an illness, a condition, a state that we cannot avoid, that we did not ask for, that is related to what has happened to us. Like Elijah has just gone through a trauma and that has something to do with where he's at, but that's also much more than just something that can be calculated by the sum of what has happened to us. And I find that helpful because I think we forget how much of a part of our spiritual and religious history stories of mental illness and mental health are. We forget that these have always been a part of folks' spiritual concerns about what is happening in our soul. I remember one of the uh, most influential things I read in seminary, I was reading, uh, some of you may have read the works of St. Ignatius, um, who left behind many spiritual disciplines that a lot of us use today, forms of prayer, forms of considering the world. Um, There's a great Ignatian discipline of uh, at the end of every day, sitting and looking through your day and seeing where you found God in it and where you didn't and allowing that to change you over time. 
And Ignatius spent most of his uh, adult life, his later ministry, helping people along the spiritual path. He was basically a spiritual director of the, of the medieval, medieval times um, and, and helped people to find where they could find God. And I was reading through some of his texts and he talked about how spiritual direction techniques should be totally different for someone who experiences what he calls scrupulosity. So he says you can find people who experience scrupulosity, which means they have too, too much scruple, too many scruples, which means that they feel guilt too easily. That when you talk to them about sin or failure or what we might change in our personalities or in our habits or behaviors, they tend to go too far in. They will assume that everything is their fault and they will be haunted by that guilt. They will be haunted by that guilt. And so you can't talk to them the same way that you would talk to somebody else. You have to take into account the way in which they, he talks about them ruminating and becoming obsessed with possible failure, right? Thinking over and over and over again about the same things that have happened to them. He's basically describing what we would today call either an anxiety disorder or OCD, sort of depending on how it, it reflects itself. But he's talking about taking into account in our spiritual life the ways in which our mind and our souls and our hearts um, can lead us astray about what the truth is about us and about the world. I had that same feeling of shock when I was reading one of the most famous early preachers in the United States, uh, Jonathan Edwards, who is famous for his like hellfire sermons, right? Like every sermon this guy gave was a, you're all terrible and we need to know the better way and we need to see, you know. Um, he also writes, you can't preach that way if there are people in the church body who are experiencing what he calls melancholy. So if there are people who are in a state of melancholy, where they're feeling sad all the time, or they're more prone than others um, to have a sense that the world is already too broken, you can't preach to them that way. It'll, it'll hurt them more. It'll bring them to a bad place. If Jonathan Edwards, <laughs> king of the make-you-feel-bad sermon, <laughs> can recognize that we are in different states and our emotional state affects our relationship with God, affects our spiritual state, affects our general health and ability to get along with our family and to live life, how much more should we, can we, must we today? Because I think we tend to, to separate these out and it, I am glad that I live today. Of all the times, I'd pick the time where my husband can't tell me everything that I have to do, right? Like, good time. I get to vote. Like, I'm, you know, like, of all the times, I'm happy with this time. But there's still a lot that we have um, that we are carrying with us, particularly around mental health, where we haven't found um, a healthy way to engage with the fact that lots of people, a huge percentage of people, most of us at one point or another, will deal with either a short-term or a long-term uh, uh, challenge in our mental health that requires openness, treatment, like talking about it, recognizing it, and that all of that stuff requires as little shame as going to the doctor when you break your leg. <laughs> it is, is as little about you or your character as if you get skin cancer, right? That, that it's something that happens, and it's something that happens to us, and it's not because you had a bad mom, although, hey, maybe you did, and it's not because you had terrible experiences, uh, uh, although maybe you did, that addiction and um, mental illness happen to us, and they are things that God wants us uh, to find health and freedom in. 
There are things that, that God wants more for us in them. And I want to talk a little bit about what that means, because that doesn't mean we are going to be freed of any disease because we love God or are faithful people, right? A lot of us uh, pray forever to be released from something, and yet it still walks with us because we live in a world that's broken and our bodies fall apart and sickness is real. So what do we do in the meantime? <laughs> if we're in a church full of people where we know that some of us are experiencing acute mental health crises and some of us are walking around with low-level anxiety and depression because it turns out that that is just like a massive amount of the American population, how do we respond? What do we do? What is the way that you follow Jesus into that? And I start, actually, not with Jesus, but with anybody listen to Another Round, the podcast Another Round? Oh, guys, it's really good. It's fine. So there's a podcast called Another Round. It's really good. Tracy in heaven. Um, and uh, one of the, they talk about politics. They talk about pop culture. It's a pretty typical podcast. But one of the things that I love that they do um, is that almost every episode, they will end with this. And I have a little picture. They also tweeted out which is a reminder to everybody, drink some water, take your meds, call your person, <laughs> right? They say to everyone, drink your water, take your meds, call your person. Not everybody has meds, not everybody is dehydrated in the moment when they hear it, but this is their sort of special short code for self-care. <laughs> as much as this podcast may have made you feel that you need to change all of politics right away, as much as this podcast may have made you feel, I'm a creative person, I need to go out and make my movie, um, don't forget, don't forget that you can't do any of that stuff if um, you're not cared for, if you're not whole, if you aren't um, filling up your own cup and making sure that you're in a place of health. I think this is where a lot of our conversation nowadays starts with this idea of self-care, right? Drink some water, take your meds, call your person, go to the doctor, uh, eat some food. But what the scripture teaches me about what God does for Elijah is that self-care will always be not enough because we're not made to be just selves. We weren't made to be individuals, really, I think, in the eyes of God um, in this community. And so this will get us somewhere. It's good to do. You should do it, right? If you're, if you're in a crisis, if you're in a hard time, do all this stuff. But there are also times in our lives when we can't do those things for ourselves and we need our community to show up for us. Elijah literally could not drink the water. The angel had to tell him. Elijah could not stop sleeping. The angel had to wake him, right? Elijah could not remember where he was supposed to go next or how things were going to go. God had to tell him. <laughs> There's a way in which his community had to show up for him. There was no amount of self-care that would have fixed things for Elijah because only community care could reach him where he was living in that moment. And that's true for a lot of us. We need someone to remind us to take our water or to bring it to us because we don't have any access to it. <laughs> we need someone to help us and say to us, if you need meds, that's okay. <laughs> there, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and help us figure out how, with our insurance, in our health system, we might get access to some. We need someone to say to us, you don't have to call me to be your person. I'm here to be your person. I see that you might need it. The community can care for the self in a way that the self can't care for the self, especially when we're hurting or in crisis. 
We need to actively show up for each other, not just when we're asked to. I see it in Elijah's relationship with God. I see it in our relationship with each other. I think it's the best gift that the church can offer to us is this kind of godly community. It's what I see in the last, most confusing bit of this Elijah story, which is usually the only part you hear, which is that he goes out uh, and is told that the presence of God will be there, and a fire comes, and God isn't there, and a wind, earth, wind, and fire, right? It's just the band, if you ever have trouble remembering. And an earthquake comes, and God isn't in it. Um, And the wind comes, and God isn't in it. But then all of a sudden, there is, uh, the best translation says, the sound of sheer silence. There is the sound of sheer silence. And that's when Elijah knows that God is there. And it doesn't actually change Elijah's assessment of his situation. (laughs) When God asks him before that happens what's going on, he says, everything is terrible. And when God asks him after that happens what's going on, Elijah says, everything is terrible. But what has changed is that in the sheer silence, Elijah has figured out that God is in the terrible with him. That God, in the sheer silence, when nothing is present, when everything seems absent, when it seems like nothing is there, the thing that remains is God. And the community of angels and friends and care that God is inviting us into. In the sheer silence is God for us. And things might still feel terrible, but terrible plus people is way better than terrible alone. And terrible plus God is way better than terrible alone. And so we take on this task, both to be people who take our mental health as seriously as we take our physical or our spiritual health, but also who take others' mental health as seriously as we take their physical, their spiritual health, or our own. We say we will be a community where we remind each other to eat and we remind each other to drink and we wake one another up if we have been asleep for too long, and we draw each other out of the cave if the cave has become a place of harm. We are God's community, and we are invited to care for one another. Let's go out, even into the sheer silences, even into the fires and the tornadoes where God cannot be found, and let's do it. Amen? Amen. Amen.